everybody. This is Ricky Grove with Tracy Harwood and Damon Binion Valentine for the Completely Machine of a Botcast for December 2022. Hello, everybody. Hang on. Hello. We're no- I apologize. November. Yeah. Hello. We're I November. What's that? Is this November? It's November. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I've been so involved in putting together my Halloween uh, yard. My brain is just shot. Um, I also apologize for the little bits of, uh, for those who are watching the video, the sunlight on my face. I were using the window in front of me for uh, spider projections. And and um, so the sun has to come through. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, we've got a, a wonderful lineup of movies to share with you. Also, don't forget, we've put the news in a blog format on our uh, website. Thank you, Tracy, for uh, putting so much uh, work into making that, putting those together. We have, there's lots of really interesting news. I highly recommend that you check out our blog. We'll be trying to promote that more so people can uh, keep an eye on it. I did want to make a quick note about some of the um, AI developments, and that's probably the big news of the year. One of the things is, is um, Adobe, or is it NVIDIA? I can't remember. I think it's Adobe is working out a, um, get this, a text-to-video editor, meaning that rather than having the standard uh, video, um, you know, the, the layers, and you grab a piece of video and put it on the line, you use text to call up uh, certain, all kinds of um, uh, shots, uh, and then put them together using text in an order that you, wa- you uh, want. Now, initially, it seems counterintuitive to do that. But once you start looking at it, it's actually a very effective way of editing for people who don't know how to do regular video or who are uncomfortable with it. Plus, you're able to search through your videos for things like people smiling. If you write people smiling. And it'll give you all the sections of all of the videos that you have in your your uh, library of people smiling. So when you do your edits, you can just jump right into that. Um, it also automatically cuts out the uh, sections of oohs and ahs, you know, where people are. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do that, um, you know, so somebody's going, well, um, I think uh, well, it'll automatically cut that out for you. I'm very intrigued with it. It's not something that I would use, but I'd like to take a look at it. Uh, And I think it would be very helpful machinima directors who want to use AI to put together their film. It might actually change the way editing looks in a film. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And um, we've got that as part of our news uh, that Tracy is putting together on our blog site. Do you guys have anything you want to say about the news at all? I'm interested to try out the AI um, you just talked about. I mean, I'm not sure I'd use it for many of my real serious productions, but to play around with and see what it can do, I think it could lead to some uh, interesting experiments. It could. It really could. It also gives you a a, a way of analyzing your video and the content um, that I think is going to be time-saving. Because, say, for example, that, that piece that I talked about earlier about people smiling, in a traditional way, you'd have to go through all of the video that you put together to find those. Mm. But the AI can jump right to it. And that's just smiling. I mean, you could put people gesturing, people, uh, Tom, say you've got somebody named Tom and it all, all sections of Tom. And it'll list all of those sections of Tom and you just choose them 
and put them as part of your video. So I think it's a very intriguing way of uh, editing. And also, I think customer feedback is going to help in shaping how they make that work. It might end up being a combination of text and actual video editing because full text, I'm not sure exactly how that works. I, I need to know more about it, but but you're right. It is it is very intriguing and I, I think we should look at it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a really fascinating area, actually. We did a whole blog post and um, special report on AI generators uh, at the end of last month. Um, yeah. And the first, blog post for this um, month, actually um, out on the 31st of October, um, is the one that includes all the AI generator updates on it. Um, yeah. And um, and then uh, back into September, I think it was, we had a, we were starting to have a look at things like DALI and, and Midjourney and what have you. So, mm -hmm. so the way that this technology has moved on so quickly is just Really, really interesting, I think. Um, it sure is. Uh, One of our uh, writers at the Renderosity magazine that I work at uh, as a virtual uh, reporter, one of our writers, M.D. McCallum, came up with a novel idea of using Real Illusion's headshot. Now, that technology allows you to take a 2D picture and apply it to character creation um, in order to create, say, a, a portrait or historical figures or or anything you want. Well, he decided to use AI to create a head and mm. then used headshot to make that AI into a 3D head. Yeah. And I thought that was a very creative way of using um, the AI portrait system. Now you're not limited to just photographs. You can use AI to construct any sort of strange and bizarre or hyper-realistic head and then turn it into a model that you can use in your film. That's something that uh, machinima uh, directors and creators should keep an eye on. That's especially good for crowd scenes as well, because obviously you want people in the background to, to look unique from each other, but you probably don't want to spend a lot of time coming up with unique appearances for each one. So if you can use an AI tool to create a face, you can then pull that in. You're not spending hours working on each individual one. You can do it in minutes, and that's yep. a huge thing mm. yep that's a good point good point i think you're right the only other thing i'd like to um sort of flag at this point is on the 14th of november on that particular blog post i've um done some links to some really interesting uh projects that haven't really made our main cut for for our discussion including one demonstrating the use of web3 um, which is by snoop dog so that'll be really interesting to take a look at and mm. you know a couple of other um, re really interesting examples where animation is being mixed with real life or where people are mixing 2D and 3D together quite effectively. Um, and another one is looking at working with a massive cast, huge cast, um, which I thought was quite interesting. And then uh, another one is a bit of um, RVB style comedy. So check out that particular project update as well. Okay. We'll okay. make sure we post links to that uh, article. I mean, the blog post on our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, just remember, we have lots of content going up at uh, completelymachinima.com. Uh, so uh, head on over there and take a look. I do want to point out the elephant in the room, which is uh, Phil Rice not being part of our um, our group today. Sadly, he uh, got in a fight with a hurricane and um 
he's on the bad end of it and he has limited and at times no internet connection whatsoever down in Florida because he lives in Florida with a big hurricane. So our best to you, Phil. We miss you today a lot. Um, and we hope you're able to join us next month. Yeah. Yeah. We miss you. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our movies. Um, I'm going to start out with my choice this month. Um, it's funny (laughs) when I go searching for movies, sometimes it takes me a couple hours to find the thing that I want. I found this within about two minutes and I said, this is my choice automatically. On Vimeo, there was a wonderful uh, director, Frederica Orlandini, who um, has uh, a really nice collection of videos. But one struck me as being very, very interesting, and that's called Paths of Misery. And she uses Red Dead Redemption 2 to paint a portrait of the Old West that is counter to the narrative, the romanticized narrative of... uh, that, that we hold with movies and television shows in which the heroes always triumph over the bad guys, everybody be, behaves. There's this beautiful, you know, John Ford look to everything. And instead she emphasizes the horror and the, the awfulness of being in the West, the, the, the terrible uh, starvation that people endured, the, the random violence, the uh, uh, domestic fights and everything it's less of an organized plot in it and more a series of depictions of this other side of the west that she wrote um the music is fascinating too because it's it's ironic in that it uses this old spaghetti western style rousing music um and it brings this expectation of sort of men in gunfights and the good guy mowing the person down, you know, the silent man uh, going on his his way, you know, with the women looking on. All of that's just wiped out. Uh, heroism is there's no heroism in this at all. And it is pretty grim for for folks who have expectations about it. But I just thought it was absolutely fantastic portrait of it perhaps a little short and a little fragmented but i was really impressed with it and i enjoyed it very much what did you guys think of it Hmm. well okay yeah grim is exactly the word i would use for (laughs) it as well wild west uh everything you know death depraved acts of violence to just simple revenge rejection fear and also survival against the odds, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this this was really about um, uh, sickness and, and horror of it all, um, which I think it was it was really interestingly portrayed through the role of um, a traveler. Oh, that's Maybe. right. Yes, the person on the horse. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this this traveler is really interesting because it's this kind of I think it's a kind of liminal tale of some kind of transient state. We don't know who this character is or what his relationship is to the other characters in the film. He's sort of, he's in this between space of going forwards towards something new in the way that he's portrayed. And this, this you know, the sense of freedom that kind of comes with that versus actually running away from the destruction that's left behind in these other scenes. So you've got this kind of really interesting juxtapos- uh, juxtaposition of scenes 
And I think it's portrayed by that galloping horse, which picks up speed through the film Mm. um, with almost stills of the aftermath of something terrible or shocking that's kind of happened. Whether or not the rider is the the victim or the perpetrator, you kind of never know, but probably he's both. And of course, that that music, um, which I want to say something about, Morricone's The Ecstasy of Gold is what it is. Um, ah. and, it, and it's perfect for this kind of spaghetti Western-like portrayal, which is the sense of things that, thing that, that came through to me. Obviously, that's Sergio Leone's good, um, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Um, and the rider even has that kind of Tuco-esque style character in the saddle, a kind of madness driven by a certain need, except he's not wearing that Mex- Mexican sombrero. And it's got an almost biblical overtone um but what's the ecstasy here it's not the thought of finding gold near a gravestone for sure because that's where that music is played in the film at the end where he's looking for the the gold buried uh, near the gravestone um so so maybe it's maybe the music is is sort of um about escape to something more golden i don't know um i guess the sense of biblical comes from that tinny church bell in the music and the and the thunder of the galloping horse's hooves told through the, the drum beats. Um, and actually, after I watched this film, I wanted to listen to that music on its own because I wasn't sure how much of this film was was the music and how much of it was the animation. So I went and listened to the music on its own um, um, because I, I just I remember growing up with that sort of um, <laughs> film music, as I think we all did at a certain age. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'll put a link to that in the in the show notes when we get to that because I, okay. I think you'll find that quite an interesting uh, listen as well. Right. Um, so those were my thoughts as I was kind of watching it, and then we come to that end quote, um, which is on the scene on the on the screen just for a, a few seconds. The quote says, "This place ain't no such thing as civilized. It's man so in love with greed he's forgotten himself and found only appetite." And I think this, um, to me, felt like the inspiration for the whole film. Mm. Um, the quote is attributed to Dutch van der Linde, who is a character from the original Red Dead um, game and, and is even more iconically associated with the Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, game. I think the quote is meant to reflect, reflect this kind of brutish but fair behaviour of Dutch, mm. sort of life, life's been rough to me, it is what it is kind of thing. Right. Um, so you've kind of got this toughness, which made, made me think that the traveller is actually moving on, uh, not so much bothered about the things he's left behind, but more to continue his kind of lifestyle as he passes through taking whatever may come in right. the process. So I concluded that the rider is in the moment and it's all about the liminal. It's not it's not about the before or after scenes at all. It's about that sort of liminal space between those things. And I think it's a really cleverly done little film um, because of that. Uh, yeah. It's nothing like The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. There are no hard stairs to um, to dodge as Ricky. Well, there's um, no heroism. The Good, no, The Bad and The Ugly, even though it emphasizes the uh, violence and the brutishness of it, there's still a heroic aspect to it, an elevated aspect to it. This there has none of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but because of, because of the... Um, the way it kind of comes over. I think that's a really good fit between the music and what you see on the screen. And it kind of gave a new sort of set of meanings to that music, which was fun to think about. 
Hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Really. I was really wondering what your reaction was going to be to it. Yeah. yeah. What did you think, uh, Damien? Uh, well, there's two things that stood out to me. One is, Ricky mentioned it's kind of a little bit fragmented. I actually like that because you're getting hmm. snapshots of different people and whatever difficulties they're facing in, in this um, period of history. And if it had been, if it had been a, a focused story, it would have put that all on just a number of a limited number of characters. But this kind of shows it makes it feel like um, this affects everyone because it's not, you know, it's, it's not focused on one, one or two characters. It's um, telling a wider picture of Collective. everything around. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep. And I really like that. And I don't think it would have worked with a narrative story as such. Mm -hmm. um, I don't just mean having a heroic element, because obviously that's not the part of this film at all. But you could have a story with no heroism in, in it. But I don't think it would work quite the same way. This is more like um, different snapshots of what life was like. And it was obviously very brutal and very hard. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... As you said, Ricky, a lot of that gets forgotten in the, the films and TV shows that generally come out about life in uh, the West, Wild West. Yeah. So uh, that was good. The other thing that stood out to me, which is more on the technical side, and I think Phil would probably latch on to this as well, is how did they make it? Because I remember you and Phil have talked a lot about um, playing Red Dead and figuring out how to make machinery with it. And of course, Phil has made his own film with Red Dead Redemption. He has talked about how difficult it was with the limited tools available, which are more um, mod tools rather than anything provided officially. Right. And this looks really excellent. I don't just mean the visual, the graphics, because obviously the game looks stunning, but the cinematography and all of that, I don't know how they did it, because from what Phil said, that this must have been... Uh, a massive undertaking just to pull off yeah. those shots. Well, I think and... some of the scenes were actual cutscenes in the in, in okay. the film, which made it a little bit easier because they did it was already created. They just uh, used uh, sections of it to uh, blend in together to make their point. That makes sense. Yeah, I'd like to point out that this movie is the kind of movie that only machinima can mm. uh, make. It's it's a it's a method and an idea that I think uh, machinima directors and people who are interested in machinima should pay attention to because it's sort of an essay. It's sort of an idea uh, that this director had and that she wanted to have a way to, to construct an argument for her idea. And she used sequences, cutscenes. she filmed gameplay. She used everything that's part of a game to put together this i this essay this 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 notion this this interesting experimental story that she created that i don't think would be the same if you've got pixar involved in it or a professional company who creates who created 3d models and organized the story and everything there's something that is so um uncreative about that well mm -hmm. not uncreative but something predictable i think in a way you know how it would turn out because they wouldn't emphasize such awfulness <laughs> animation is so has that what they call the walt disney factor which uh, disney has affected animation in the united states so much that 
people think that animation is just for kids or if it's for adults, it has to have this sort of well-made story with heroes and morality and all of that. Machinima can allow you to have an idea and then find that maybe even the idea came from the game itself and then use the game to to create this this essay this this construction of an idea in a way that is completely unique and is fast generally and fairly easy to do and i was so impressed with that and i would urge machinima directors who want to see get some inspiration to dig into your favorite game and find things that you want that ideas that are fed back to you that you can create something with like recently i um my partner lisa morton who's a writer wanted to do a short little book trailer and she asked me if i could create a background scene um to use for the graphics and narration and i was playing elden ring at the time and at one point after in the story of the elden ring this huge uh, tree is burning and there are all these cinders that are coming through everywhere you go so i found this sort of dark forest and cinders were going across it and i recorded about 30 seconds of that of the camera in place and we used that as the background and it made me think well that that would be an interesting thing is to find all sorts of backgrounds and make them available for people who want to use them in their scenes i mean you could use a, a, a moving background to create a, a, as part of a scene that you wanted to do. And that led me to other ideas and other ideas. So the point that I'm trying to make is that machinima is still a, a very viable way of telling stories and can off, often lead to creative solutions that are completely different from your traditional 2D animation. Especially in game, open world games where they put a lot of effort into making it seem like a, a living world. Mm -hmm. So if you just stood there for 10 minutes, you would see characters going around, um, live, basically living their lives or doing whatever it is they do in that particular game. And, and I think, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of potential there just to, just to explore and see what you can come up with. That's right. Yeah. I'm guessing metaverse type stuff will... Um result in potentially more of these kinds of things it's kind of i think we're in that in-between stage at the moment aren't we where um you know people are migrating in their droves to um unreal engine and what have you um and those aren't persistent virtual worlds as such they're just worlds that people have created for their own right. ends um yeah. and you know that leaves just a few kind of virtual social worlds like second life and Fortnite and whatnot um, where people and, and Minecraft and what have you, where, where people are able to sort of go in and, and gather that kind of background information, if you like, background data, and uh -huh. experience it. Um, but once we start getting into more more different types of persistent worlds, well, we'll probably see more of this kind of thing come to the fore again. Yeah. I wanted to uh, mention to everybody that Frederica Orlandini, the director of Paths of Misery has several other interesting films on her Vimeo site. We will uh, provide a link to her in our blog post and our show notes. Um, she's terrific. Uh, she, she's a, 
a thinking director. So all of her films have a point to make, sometimes a social point, sometimes an intellectual point, but they're all smart and intelligent. I hope at some point we might be able to do an interview with her. Uh, so if you're listening, Frederica, please contact us. We'd love to uh, talk with you. And if you have any comments about this film or anything else, contact us at talk at completelymachinima.com. Um, if you have news that you want to share with us that we've missed, you can use that avenue to contact us. And uh, unless you guys have any further comments, we'll close out the session. Yeah, that was oh, an excellent choice, yes. Phil. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you made that mistake because I think Phil would probably choose this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he <good> would. Pick. <laughs> yes, good pick. All That's right, why you you cut, you cut his internet so that he couldn't choose his film, didn't you? Uh, mm -hmm, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, best to you all. I uh, hope you guys had a good uh, October and we're kicking off uh, November with Paths of Misery by Federica Orlandini. Thank you for talking with us and uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.